Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hola, hola, mi gente. I'm Jessica Yanez, and this is the Wine and Chisme podcast. A podcast created to amplify voices and share the stories of people from BIPOC communities doing remarkable things. All while sipping on a glass of wine. So welcome to your new Wednesday. The Wine and Chisme Wednesday. Hola, hola, mi gente. Welcome to another episode of the Wine and Cheese Med Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Yanez, and today I have the CEO of Luna Vibe Co., Brandy Andrews. Hi, Brandy. Hi. How are you today? I am dealing with the challenges of abundance. <laughs> dealing, girl, dealing with the challenges of abundance. Okay. Can I just say, I want that problem for all of us. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. I love how you said that. Oh my gosh, this started you know off so great. Who taught me that? Who? Wendy. Wendy Amata. Really? Jerry that doesn't surprise me. Right? Doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So before we get into the cheese man, we always start with the wine. I know you are not partaking in the wine. Are you smoking? Oh, Is that what you're doing? Because I partake in the cannabis. In the cannabis. In Speak up cannabis. just a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> I um, partake in cannabis. I'm a 420 friendly all around kind of wellness. And I will say, so uh, Brandy and I have been on, we all grow Latina. We've been in several rooms together, but we have actually officially met at the We All Grow Latina Summit. Yes. And I was having the most painful cycle. Well, every month is like the most painful mm-hmm. cycle. And she gave me, actually, we had the CBD drink. Mm-hmm. Is it THC and CBD or was it just, is it just it's, CBD? It does have trace amounts of THC in it, but it's mainly CBD. It's a four to two ratio. So, And then she gave me uh, a pre-roll, which I have literally been hiding from my partner because I don't want, because he'll like it. I know he's going to be like, oh, it's going to be like, this is for me and my pain. Stay away. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as drinks are concerned, today I am having a Yamas Family Wine, Napa Valley Cabernet Sauvignon from this, it's a 2010 cab from Stagecoach Vineyard. And this is actually the first time I've had their Cabernet. And I'm very excited about it. And it's look at that. It's so nice and dark. I don't know if you can see it or if my green screen is no, messing I, it no, up. No, I can. Like and when you is, hold it closer to your face, I can see it. It is so nice and dark. It's like that really, um, let me see. Oh, it smells so good. I can't even taste it. Salud. Salud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's see, good. And I mean, like, I just can drink a little thing of wine. Like, I love wine. 
but I'll drink like once every like two to three months. And like, if I, I can't get a bottle cause it's a waste of money because I only have one glass. So I'm trying to find companies that have like little, yeah, like, like tasters, like a little wine flight. Cause I feel like that would be more. Yes. So what I do is I have what it's a Coravin and you just stick, it's like a needle that goes into the cork. And so you only pour what you need. You take it out. You let the cork sit for a little bit because it reseals itself. Mm-hmm. If you notice, like the cork has not been taken out of this bottle. Oh. So it lasts longer. Oh. So if you're somebody who really loves wine, but you can't drink a lot, they're not cheap, but they're totally worth it. Especially if you find a wine that you really like, but you have like one glass a week or one glass every other week or, you know, because I, (laughs) yeah, one glass or two months is, you know, I think, you know, it it helps keep it for you, but also there's always so many wines. And I, I know people probably think I am like the biggest lush ever that I probably drink every night, but I don't. (laughs) And I don't want to have to open, like pour myself a glass of wine. And then that's the only wine I'm drinking for like two or three days. You know, I like to change it up. I like to do different things. So it's, to me, it's awesome. It's perfect. All right, let me read your bio. Brandy brings over 22 years of experience, awards, and recognition in the beauty industry to the beauty industry. She has spent 15 years providing herself, proving herself, providing, proving herself in the highly competitive beauty industry, serving Hollywood elites such as Lena Waithe, Cynthia Erivo. Oh, is, is there Erivo? Erivo. Yeah. And I know who she is, but I was like, say, I don't want to mess up her name. Uh-huh. And Sophia Nombete. Yeah. And many more. In this image conscious society, Brandy continues to so, show she can handle any shade and any skin condition for any occasion with confidence, sensitivity, and most of all, have results. Being the only child of Latinx and indigenous descent in an entire town, as well as a first-generation American, has been her driving force for entering the beauty industry to educate and inspire change any way she can. Girl, let me say that is so important because I watch, and I'll we'll get into it more later, but I just am thinking of this right now, so I want to say it. And that's how we do. We just kind of go all over the place. Yeah, yeah, I'm <laughs> for it. I'm here for it. <laughs> but, you know, how many times have I seen videos of ethnic models, like, and that's usually Black models, indigenous models, like mm-hmm. curly hair, you know? Mm-hmm. That's like, nobody knows how to do my hair. I've had, like, they never hire anybody who knows how to do black hair. No, they never know how to. And somebody who has myself, somebody who has very curly hair, like I have a lot of trauma around my hair mm-hmm. because nobody knew how to do my hair and it would get so messed up and I would cry and I didn't, it was bad. Yeah. And and yeah. so to say that that's your driving force to educate and inspire change, I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. You are the only child, you say, you're the only child of Latinx and indigenous descent in an entire town? Yeah. Girl, you need to share more. I need to know more about this. (laughs) So back in 1986, when I was born, my mother immigrated here from Mexico. She's from uh, Apantincan, Michoacan. And she migrated to a town called Watsonville, California, which... 
for most people who don't know, and a lot of people don't know, it's right next to Santa Cruz. It's the farming town on the other side of the mountains, right next to Santa Cruz. It's where all your strawberries come from. So that's what I tell everybody. And they're like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, but they think it's like a beautiful lush. And it's like, no, it's just all farm. All the yeah, time. Big agriculture town. Yeah. And um, in that era, I guess, if we want to call it that, there was this new boom of interracial children, especially within the black and the brown community. And my mother is part Portuguese. So she's very fair skinned. So she, she does have, you know, lighter eyes. She has hazel eyes. Um, and I didn't find out that she was part Portuguese until four or five years ago. Really? Yes. When I did my own DNA and I was like, Hey, oh yeah. Guess that's all. What is this? Why does it say that I'm part Portuguese? She's like, Oh yeah. I'm like, you didn't think that was something to divulge to me? Like you didn't think that that's something that needed to be said. Let me ask you a question. When you found mm-hmm. out, cause I know how, look, I know, you know, with colonization, le- there's multiple reasons. I knew that I have European ancestors, but then when I saw it on 23andMe, I was so disappointed. <laughs> like I knew it like in my head yeah. and then I see it and I'm like, this is bullshit. <laughs> yo, yo. And then to find out that I was all, that I'm also like 10% Native American, like indigenous American, it was mind blowing. And then that's when I went back and I talked to my grandmother from my father's side. She's like, oh yeah, honey. She's like, we're part of the, the Sioux tribe and the Cherokee and the Peewee. And I was like, what is happening right now? Yeah. So very mind blowing. So to say that, you know, when we moved to another town called Gilroy, which is where all the garlic comes from. They have like a huge garlic festival, don't they? In yeah, Gilroy? they do. They do. Don't go. It's ghetto. <laughs> no, no. Uh, stay away from Gilroy. <laughs> and, uh, and, we keep it real here. Yeah, stay away from Gilroy. No. It's a, it's a whole situation. But at that time it was predominantly white and Mexican. And I think there was maybe one or two black families that moved in to town after we had moved in maybe a year or two after. So for a while there, I was the, I well, I'm still the only child of mixed race because they were a black family. There was nobody with an interracial. I don't remember growing up with any Asian people uh, not until we moved into the Silicon Valley in San Jose or any any AAPI. And so it was very it was very interesting to grow up then because we didn't have boundaries. My mom was never taught boundaries. And so to be a curly haired, darker skinned child, ooh, what is that? Guess what? Trying to pet me, trying to touch me, grabbing my arms. Oh my God, look at her skin color. I cannot tell you how much I do not like being touched by strangers. If somebody gets too close to me, I'm like, yo, back up. <laughs> and I had to teach my my son too, because I had long, beautiful hair. And I can say that now. Back then I was like, my hair's ugly. I'd tell my mom to relax it for me all the time. My mom's Mexican. She didn't know. So she threw a relaxer on it. It was a whole awful situation. Going through all of that, it's something that I teach my son. And I'm like, when people try to touch you, because he's still, he very much does not look like a Caucasian baby, even though he's very fair skinned, he has light eyes and he has blonde hair. I'm talking blonde. Really? Yes. My son has blonde, blonde. He came out and my mom was like, he's so pale. Mira, mi chiquito. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's dad. 
Why did this baby come from? Exactly. But he has my <laughs> face. So <laughs> I say, who gave us a white baby? What? He, I have to tell him, like, you tell people, no, please do not touch me. Please do not touch my hair. It's a whole thing. And then, you know, really getting into the beauty industry, that was, you know, a constant thing. So I, I kept meeting people while I kept getting given people of color that I was the only person in there that would know how to do their hair. I can't tell you how many salons that I went to that were like, we don't know what to do with this. Putting hairspray in my hair, trying to curl it with a flat iron, a whole one time I came out of a, uh, a black salon looking like busy bone from bone thugs and harmony <laughs> shellacked to my head. <sighs> so much trauma around, around hair. And that's what, you know, at the age of 15, that's when I got into the beauty industry. I found the one Latin gay man in town that knew how to do my hair. I was about to ask, like, so what is that? What prompted? Okay, I want to hear yeah. more about this. I want to keep going, girl. Yeah, let's go. And he started doing my hair. He started doing my sew-ins for, you know, my hair to grow back. He was really good with color and all of these things. And then one day he just turned to me and said, I need you to go get your license. I need you to go get your cosmetology license. And I was like, how old were you when that okay. happened? I had known him for five years. I think I was around in, in my 20s, in my early 20s. So I found a bunch of cosmetology schools I went to go visit. And I landed in San Francisco at SFIEC um, with this amazing woman named Didi Crossett. Didi is, is definitely one of my longstanding mentors. And let me tell you this. She is the most Mexican white woman I've ever met in my life. <laughs> when I tell you this woman in Brit, like where she grew up and she grew up in the Latin culture, we had mariachis going up and we are in a four-story school. You can hear the mariachis coming from the bottom floor, but all the way up. Uh-huh. On Cinco de Mayo, it was a whole thing. We had pancake breakfast. She sent us to etiquette classes. We went to museum trips. We went to... Um, this was your cosmetology design. school? This was my cosmetology school. We went and helped, did haircuts for the homeless. All these things she did for us. I got my $30,000 worth. (laughs) (laughs) Prior to even going, prior to him even saying, I need you to go get your license. Had you had that even, had that thought even come to mind at all of, you know, maybe I want to do this. Maybe I want to work with skin. Maybe I want to work with hair. Or was it really literally he planned, he was like, you need to do this. And you're like, you know what? I do need to do this. He did plant the seed. It was like, I still had a love for hair and I would watch him when he was doing hair and I would ask questions and I would, you know, I was so intrigued from a young age about just hair and the different things that it can do. And when I started learning how to do my own, that's when I really started to make, you know, all the sense. And so when he planted that seed, I was just like, ah, and then I went to my mom and my, my oldest brother. And I said, (laughs) I said, guys, I have this idea. (laughs) And they're like, oh shit, what now? And I'm like, I want to go to cosmetology school. They're like, well, how much is it? And I said, it's (laughs) $30,000. And my brother and my mom were like, what? And they were like, Brandy, because I didn't really do good in school. Like I barely graduated high school. You know, I had so many other things going on in my life. You know, I graduated by the skin of my teeth. I was like, if I pulled out those tests last minute and I got those grades and I walked across that stage, thankfully, and I had been through a revolving door of different things. So they were like, this is the last thing 
that we will like invest in like, you know, everything that you're going to have to do on your own. And so I did it and I finished both the cosmetology and the aesthetics program while I was there. I went to Didi and I said, Didi, I have 600 hours left. I finished everything early. I finished all my operations. You know, I know how to do hair. I was blow drying her hair at her desk. When they told me that I had to go up and blow dry her hair at her desk, I almost shit my pants. But I did it. And she has like the thickest, coarsest hair that you really got to get in there. She's an anomaly. And uh, I I asked her if I could do the aesthetics program. I said, I want to learn about skin. I love makeup. I love doing all this. I'm very artistic, you know, and, and I said, can I please? take the aesthetics course. And she's like, Oh, I don't know. (laughs) She's like, if you can get it signed off by all the other teachers, I'll agree to it. So I went to all the other teachers that already loved me. (laughs) And I was like, Hey, (laughs) so I want to learn everything about aesthetics. I didn't take, Oh no, I did take clients. I took a lot of waxing clients because I really liked waxing back then, but I was the only student that was jumping between the cosmetology floor and the aesthetics floor, taking clients all day. Wow. Yeah. What did you find was your strength in in both sides? On the cosmetology side, definitely textured hair. That was just, I knew how to deal with it. I know how to deal with curly. I know how to cut curly. I know how to make curly very, very straight. I know how to, but keep the integrity of the hair. And then in skin, in skin, everything. I'm really good at everything. <laughs> Do my own horn. No, I was about to say, thank you for saying that. Yeah. I love when people come on here and they're like, no, I'm good at this because yeah. we don't do enough of that. We yeah. don't to our horn en- enough. In fact, mm-hmm. the other day I was saying something and I was about to say, well, I don't mean I go, wait, wait, no. I do mean to say this. Mm-hmm. I had to stop myself mm-hmm. from downplaying Something that I've worked really hard for. Why is it like, it's like we work so hard to achieve something and then we downplay our achievement. No, we we need to stop doing that. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely something that's taught. Definitely something that's generational, especially in the Latinx community. Yeah. Well, I will say one thing that I absolutely love about the community that we're part of with the We All Grow Latino community Mm -hmm. is... It's like we're relearning so much, right? We're relearning, we're supporting one another, we're sharing our stories, sharing our successes. And not only just sharing our successes, but you have a group of women who are truly happy for you, Mm -hmm. who want to uplift you. And I love that. Yeah, yeah. I like spending it on office hours. Like I literally made it part of my, routine where it's just like, I'm not doing anything during this time or this time or this time, because I need, I, I need to fill my cup up with my community. And we, the We Grow Latina community has been my driving force. And I started following Anna back before the pandemic hit. I think the pandemic hit maybe two or three months after I had seen her at the wing in WeHo, where I went to a Latinas in tech. Um, and Anna was there talking about We All Grow. And at that point in her career I think she was it was just for bloggers and then she had changed it and switched it boom into a whole community and I was like I mean what she has done and what she has grown is Mm -hmm. she had vision Mm -hmm. right and when she saw community she's like okay there's more here Mm -hmm. and I love that like I wouldn't have met you there's so many women I wouldn't have met I wouldn't become friends with if 
And I had not done that. We, yeah. And we're having a little Anna Gush session. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I give her all her credit, man. The thing that I that I really love about the community, though, is because I first at first I wasn't really involved in it because it was still very triggering. Because while everybody was in shock about what the LA councilwoman was saying, I wasn't here in LA. I wasn't shocked. I wasn't shocked one bit because that's what I grew up with. Yeah. People think because you're a person of color that that absolves you of racism. It doesn't. No, I was pissed. And girl, let me like, tell you, when people are like, I can't believe I was sitting there like this. This has been going on. Yeah. It was one of those, like, are you kidding me? That's kind of, I wasn't like, I can't believe. No. Cause I've, I, I've heard it too. Right. Mm-hmm. I've gotten into arguments with family members. Mm-hmm. Like I have, I remember being like, young right not maybe not super super young but like maybe in high school or right after right after high school there was this question and I'll get pissed like I got so pissed off that they even asked me this question and it was my cousin and her husband and they're like okay if there's a black guy and a white guy each walking on different sides of the street what what side of the street you're gonna are you gonna walk on and I was like whoever did feels less threatening I'm like, dude, you could have a white guy that I may totally not feel comfortable with. And there might be the black guy who I'm like, oh, dude, I'm going to be on this side because like, you know, like I'm going to stay on this side with this dude because like I just feel safer with him than the white guy. Mm -hmm. And and I would get in such arguments. You know, I don't know. Like my parents, they were always like, you need to treat everybody the same regardless, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. You know, like people are people regardless, but but then they've had their own whatever, right? Then I would, yeah. And so I'd be like, wait a second. I don't wait. You know, like I experienced hmm. it with my old, my own family, like even before I was born. Like I won't say who said it, but they told my mother that I would come out looking like a monkey because she had sex with a black man. I mean, ooh, ooh, ah, ah, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) King of the jungle, motherfucker. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. And then this whole thing, I don't know if you've heard of the, like there was uh, one of the Spanish language stations. It was a white, white Tina, right? Mm -hmm. Total white Tina on Spanish language television being mad saying, why don't we have representation about the whole Black Panther thing? Mm -hmm. And why don't we have representation? We'd, and I was just, and I kept seeing it. And I, I was, I wanted to respond on TikTok. I didn't end up responding because I was so mad because I it's was so like, mad. I'm like, what are you talking about? Every fucking channel is light-skinned Latinos. I see my myself reflected and a lot of, and I'm light-skinned, but I was telling somebody um, recently in a recent podcast, I'm like, and they're even lighter complected than I am. My mom, you met my, you met my mom. I did. I didn't know that yeah. was your mom. Yeah. The lady that was with me all the summit, that was my uh-huh. mother. I didn't know mom. that. Mm-hmm. My mom came with me to the summit. I was oh like, Yo, I'm gosh. going to heal this generational trauma. You coming with me. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> right. That's so funny. Um, yeah. And so it, I, I, I circle it back all to say, you know, for we grow Latina to be an open platform to not allowing that. Mm -hmm. And saying, no, you are of Latin descent. You are my comadre. You're my my familia. You're my amiga. Is huge. 
So it was like, that's, you know, after Summit, I really started getting involved. I think it was a little bit before Summit where I was going to a couple things here and there. I was going to Wendy's thing, popping in and out and then going to Purple's Meditations, you know, but when I saw, when I saw, um, is it Ayla? Ayla. When I saw Ayla and I met her and I was like, ah, okay. All right. Ayla is so awesome. I I mean, I love all of the staff and yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Wine break. Time to refill that glass and come back for more Wine and Cheese Me. Chances are you aren't sharing an epic dinner with your friends right now, but you could be. Just book a seat at a private dining event with your Chase Sapphire Reserve card. Then get to it. A multi-course menu, insane flavors, a wine pairing. Ooh, is that crispy duck? Experience more unforgettable dinners with private dining events from Sapphire Reserve. Chase, make more of what's yours. Learn more at chase.com slash Sapphire Reserve. Cards issued by JPMorgan Chase Bank and a member of FDIC. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. The holidays are here and there is nothing I am more grateful for than to be back in California con mi familia. If you didn't know, I lived out of state and away from my family for close to 15 years. So when I was able to come home and spend time with them, I cherished every moment. Especialmente la comida. I mean, every bit of pozole, every bit of menudo, and of course, all the tamales I could get my hands on. And I don't know about you, but there is just something about Coca-Cola that pairs perfectly with every holiday get-together and the foods we enjoy as a family. The holidays are a magical time, and the holidays are always finds a way, a way to bring up memories and a way to bring up magic. So enjoy the real magic of the season by surrounding yourself with good friends and family, delicious food, and of course, an ice cold Coke. So let me go back to you are going through both programs. Mm -hmm. You graduate from both programs. Mm -hmm. Where do you gravitate towards? I mean, like two weeks later. Oh, you're like, get me the hell out of here. (laughs) I asked for my mom's blessing and I was like, look, I'm going, whether you give it to me or not. I was like, but I would, it would make it so much easier if you just give me your blessing to leave. And she was like, I want you to be happy. And I (laughs) off to LA. Did you know anybody? I knew a couple of people I had been to and from LA. I'd been spending a lot of time. You know, I had a a lot of friends in the, the gay community. And so a lot of them that threw parties and it was very like, I was tight with my lesbian community here, uh, still am. And they got me jobs and I started bartending and I was doing, you know, working at a salon, bartending at night, you know, typical 20 year old situation. There was one point where I was living above in a loft from the salon that I worked for and then going back up home, changing, going right back out and going to bartending, uh, in West Hollywood at the Abbey. And, uh, did that for a couple of years. And I mean, I did hair on and off, you know, took other jobs, started working at med spas and, you know, learning about Botox and filler. And then one of my friends who's a dermatologist, who's also my mentor, Landon McCarroll, he's, he's a black gay man, black gay dermatologist. He was like, will you come run my office for me? And I'm like, cause I had already been working at laser away for a while. He knew I knew how to run a med spa. And I was like, Okay, I'll go. And then he started teaching me. He 
reignited my love for skin. I had been doing facials and stuff and spas and stuff. And I learned all about skincare working at Amy's and for years and just learning everything that I could from every single brand, really getting product knowledge from that job. And then after I started working with him, he was like, you're really thriving in skin. He's like, you know, skin, I can teach you so much more about it. And at that time, this was like right before the pandemic hit or no, like a a minute before the pandemic hit. And I didn't want to hear it. I just had a new baby. I just had this. I just said that I wasn't going back to just doing skin. No, I need money. And I said, no. And he was like, okay. And then he was like, I really think that you'll thrive in it. I hope that one day you end up doing it. And then I went to go work at Paul Mitchell. I won't say which one, but I started teaching the aesthetics program. They needed ST teacher more than they needed a Cosmo teacher. Um, and I was looking for a job the, after the pandemic hit. Um, and I was like, all right, whatever, it's close to home. I can be to and from for my baby. Um, and then everything that I had been learning with Landon over the years, I was able to teach these new Estes. I was able to teach them what, like what they really needed to know. It's not here, just use this your entire life. Who's your demographic? Because a lot of you guys in here are Latina. And a lot of you guys in here are women of color. So I'm going to teach you how to take care of melanated skin, the different conditions that come with it, the different pigmentation disorders, all kinds of things, all the skin conditions, eczema, rosacea, you know, hyperpigmentation, melasma, which really affects the Latin community, um, sun damage, you know, all that stuff created an externship program. One of them made it out. One of them saw it through. Um, really? she's a Latina, yeah. And I've just recently brought her on, I guess, as my like junior, like she's like junior assistant, junior SD type of thing. So I'm she got her license, she completed the externship, and now it's just about educating the masses and just opening that door and just really blowing the whistle on the beauty industry and the damage that it's done to people of color. So I want to talk about that. I will say for me, I was somebody who always like, even when I was a kid, I would always wash my face before I went to bed. I didn't, I don't like wearing makeup. Even if girl, I would be in my twenties, a total mess, come home drunk as a skunk. And I still washed my face. By the way, I just turned 45. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, I do get asked all the time, well, oh my gosh, you have really great skin. Like, what do you do? Blah, blah, blah. And I always tell them, and like, I please like share the things that people do to harm and what they could do to help with that within the communities. Because like I always say, I drink a ton of water. Like that's my main thing. I will drink, obviously I drink wine. Um, I drink other things. Like I'll drink tea every once in a while during the holidays. I love like with tamales, I want a Coke, you know, stuff like that. But I don't drink a lot of that stuff. I always wash my face. So I drink a ton of water and I always wash my face and I always wear sunscreen. There it is. And that's what yeah. I tell people. Yeah. Yeah. I started the the circle, the, the Amigas and Beauty Circle to try to help people to just educate themselves. But also on the premise that, you know, self-care is not selfish. Self-care is something that we have to do. Self-care is something that is necessary to live a long and happy life. So for you to constantly show your skin that love, it's going to treat you well, you know, but if you're not wearing sunscreen and you're not protect, especially in Los Angeles, 
and you're not taking into account everything that you're around, like your skin is going to tell your hands are going to tell. It's insane how smart the skin is. How do my hands look? Your hands are good. Make sure you put some luck <laughs> on your hands though, too. And the arm that, that you, that is in the window on the driver's seat. I'm not as good about that. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm not as good. <laughs> so in, in the group, we were talking about, you know, envisioning the women that we see ourselves to be in the future. What does she look like? What job does she have? What's her routine? Like if you could, if you could make your ideal routine, what would it be? Like me, I wish I, would, I could have an hour, you know, but now I just have faster treatments. <laughs> I wish that I could get a facial. And, you know, does she go and get facials? Does she go and get massages? Is she getting her mani-pedi? You know, does she have mountains of mutton? Like, what is it? And I had mm-hmm. people create like a virtual, just vision board of your future self and then make tiny steps to show up as her every single day. So for me, it's like I get up and even though I may not wear makeup, I make sure to try to pick out an outfit, something that I haven't worn, something that I don't just go to, like the same pair of leggings for like years, you know, it's like, I have other pants. Like I have other outfits that I was like, Oh, this would be cute, you know, and really showing up in, in that capacity. And so, and it all just starts with, I don't know, take a bath, wash your face, you know, light a candle, moisturize, you know, find skin. But also there's that there's finding what works for you when it comes to skincare. Cause again, the beauty industry is not geared towards melanated skin. There are products in there where you're like, oh, I'm going to use a brightening cream. That brightening cream cannot differentiate between the melanin in your skin and the melanin in the condition that you might have. Okay, so what is a brightening cream? Let me add. I don't really know what a brightening People cream use, is. People can use like brightening creams for like if they have uh, sunspots or melasma and they're trying to lighten that area. But the thing is, is that if you're a person of color and you have melasma and you use something to brighten, it's going to attack the melanin in your skin as well. So you have to be super careful about what you're using. There's lightening agents in brightening products. There's lightening no agents. Yeah. You have to be very careful of which skin skincare you use because they don't take into account melanin. They take into account condition, but they don't take into account the tone. So are there any products specific for people who have melanated skin in regards to getting rid of melasma and stuff? Yes, there's tons. tons. I'm one of them. <laughs> I created my own skincare line. I was going to ask that because you have like, I'm on your website, lunavibe.co. And there's all these, um, you have like serum sets, sensitive sets, problematic. These are our, These are all products that you created? Yes. Okay, so I'm going to read some of these. There's a, okay, so for something like melasma, would it be like the pigmentation set? Yep. Oh, got it. Okay, so tell me how, like, what are you being able to put in your pigmentation set that's different than what a normal brightening cream would be that is actually going to be better for melanated skin? I use natural products. I use... Uh, vitamin C stem cells. I use different forms of plant-based hyaluronic acids, uh, lavender, peony. It's all, you know, eco-friendly, paraben-free, silicone-free, sulfate-free. They're also vegan, like everything, no byproducts. Because a lot of these things have byproducts too. And if something is too chemical-based, you're going to end up 
stripping your skin or making things worse. So that's why trying to spread the word of you need an esthetician. You need somebody who can get the dead skin off for better product absorption. So my client, Lena Waite, all she uses is my skincare line because she, um, when I met her, she had cystic acne. She has scarring. She had uh, hormonal hair growth and all her lines were starting to form and her pigmentation was completely off. So her tone, her skin tone was completely off. It was dark, light. It was all patchy everywhere. And um, her main goal was to not have to wear makeup because she's a very androgynous, queer, black Mm -hmm. female in Hollywood. And uh, she's like, I just don't want to have to wear makeup. I don't want to have to do it. And I said, okay, great, let's do this. And when award season hit this year, she hit the Grammys, the Emmys, uh, the Academy Awards, all of them. Every premiere that she went to, she wore no makeup on the red carpet. She just went barefaced. Yeah, I remember seeing that. So how did you get from, I'm mom, I'm leaving and now okay, I'm just working all these jobs and okay, now I'm doing skincare to now I'm doing the skincare of celebrities. Girl, how you get from start to there? I didn't give up. (laughs) I didn't give up on myself. I didn't, even though every fiber of what was programmed into me was telling me that still wasn't good enough. I'm like, no, there has to be another way. There has to be something. And my son gave me even more motivation to give not only him, but myself, a better life. And, you know, the people around me pushed me forward. They lifted me up, um, had a lot of falls. <laughs> I can't tell you how many falls I had. I almost died. I got you almost by, died. I got hit in 2017. I got hit by two drunk drivers in two separate cars and it took out the right side of my body. What? Wait, Yeah. these were two <laughs> separate accidents? Wait, I'm so good. Like these two separate no. accidents or- I was this- on the 405. And let me see if I can find a photo. I was on the 405. And for those of you who don't know, 405 is like eight lanes, four on each side. I was Mm -hmm. coming off of Sunset, uh, off of Wilshire, going up towards Sunset. And a car in front of me was drunk and then caused me to crash into him. And then I bounced and hit the wall and I bounced backwards in the oncoming traffic. And another drunk driver zoomed around another car that had stopped. And then hit me going 70 miles an hour, like 60 or 70 miles an hour. And I spun across the 405 until I hit the center divider. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was a doozy. I am. It was a doozy. Oh my God. That's I, I let me like... really stop. Look, look right here. I have a cane. <laughs> oh, but cane. girl, you look good. You rocking that cane. I <laughs> uh, know. Wasn't that? That's actually my son's father. We're both gay and we co-parent, but, um, (laughs) (sighs) Oh, that's your car. Man, her car is completely mangled. Yeah. And so if this was my passenger side, I was on this side. Wow. And the only thing that looks like an accordion. Yeah, it really was. Okay. I'm gonna go back to something totally different now. (laughs) Take me, take me with you. Let's go. you're like this is my baby daddy we're both gay Mm -hmm. did you conceive regularly did you plan this and you're like we're gonna do this we planned it for three years really okay we we documented our whole journey you could watch it we were on what happens with the abbey on e 
Uh-huh. And we did a season of that. And that was the beginning part of our journey. And then my accident happened. And then we got pregnant in 2000 after I had like six surgeries and they told me, you know, you're not going to have to have the cartilage replacement. I had turned to Lawrence and I was like, yo, I'm ready to pull the trigger. Like, let's do it. You know, we had found out that it would cost like $10,000 to do it through cryo banks and all those things because we were gay because we are gay. And, uh, (laughs) (laughs) then I researched at home insemination kits. We found Mosey baby. We had already had all of our blood tests. We had had our parental agreement drawn up. We had had semen analysis, ovaries looked at. We had done all of that. Um, And then 2018, we used the at-home insemination kit and I got pregnant on the first try. Wow. That is so interesting. How did you explain that to your son or have you guys had that conversation with your son yet? Well, I mean, we tell him he knows that mama and dad are friends and he doesn't know any other reality. You know, Mm -hmm. we teach him that families are different and his family looks different and he has two moms and one dad and school teaches inclusivity as well that, you know, different families look different. Some have one mom, some have two dads, some have one dad. Um, And we just tell him that everybody's different and he's different. And just because other people are different, it doesn't make them foreign. It doesn't make them scary. It doesn't make them, you know, it's just people... If somebody is doing something to to my son because of our sexuality, then you really need to look at the parents. You need to look at the fundamentals and the values that the parents have. Yes. Because it's like, oh my God, like, how could you do that to a child? I'm sorry. My kid has, he's surrounded with love. He's surrounded with people who wanted him. He's surrounded, he was planned. He was thought out. He was written. He was discussed, Mm -hmm. you know? And just because we're gay, that doesn't matter. Yeah. My son is very much loved, has both parents, has an extra bonus mom, has uncles and titis and the lesbian gang that I have behind me, you wouldn't even imagine. (laughs) (laughs) He has so many aunts, so many, he has like four grandmothers. He like, it's insane. The amount of love, you know, that my child receives. I mean, that's not hard to imagine because I've met you. And you're just a very magnetic, sweet person. So, you know, I can only imagine you're not going to have people around you that would prescribe to anything. Of course, I accidentally put, forget to put my thing on um, (laughs) do not disturb. When I tell everybody else, put yourself on do not disturb and I forget. (laughs) Call call myself out. (laughs) Accountability, go friend. But so, yeah, that's not hard to imagine. Like just the energy that I got from you, you're not going to have people around you who aren't going to emanate love, you know, and emanate like that, that are just true, genuine people. I mean, it took a minute to weed out those other ones. Let me tell you. It's a girl. I understand. Let me take a drink on that. (laughs) Go ahead. I wish I could smoke in here, but I can't. The, the ex toxica, the ex mean girl in me had people around me that weren't the greatest Mm. at all whatsoever. And then when I had my son, my son was like, I'm not having this shit. Come He's like, uh, mom, I don't think so. Go. No, you got to go. He yeah. peed in one of them. He peed in one of them's mouth. He would always cry when the other one was holding. Oh, yeah. Oh, my Shit gosh, on her hand. That I is amazing. Her mouth. <laughs> Fantastic. 
Fantastic. So I want to talk about some of the things that people do. What are some of the common mistakes that people make when taking care of their skin that they think they're doing something really good for their skin, but maybe it's not the greatest thing? I think getting procedures or facials done by somebody who does not know about melanated skin. You can't just go and get a facial from just anybody. Mm -hmm. You have to find an esthetician that knows how to care for melanated skin. And I think that's the first question you should ask when you're going to do these things. And how do you determine if they actually know what they're doing or not? You do their, you do your research now in the age of social media. Like you have to have a website, you have to have the receipts, you have to have the proof. So so if you go to their social and you see no, you see all fair skin people, mm -hmm. maybe that's not the person for you. Exactly. I created this giant master list when I first started my company, Black, Latinx, Indigenous, AAPI, every underrepresented community, LGBTQ community in the beauty industry that is hair, skin, and body, and makeup. And I have, I want to say, I want an inventory of like 250 different brands. So they're out there. And just because they're not a, you know, big name you know, that doesn't mean that their stuff won't work for you. You need to buy things that are made for for people who look like you and buy people who look like you. Mm-hmm. The other question I have is people tend when, when big events are coming up, I want to go get a facial. I want to go do this. I want to do that. But maybe they're doing too soon before the event. Like what is the good, like a good time if you're going to go, say you're getting married or say you're, mm-hmm. let's just say you're getting married. Yeah, People do not take this as I'm getting married. I'm just using this as a big event that people tend to go get facials for. <laughs> yes. Okay. Asa, just saying. <laughs> how long, how far ahead before a, a big event that people want to do these things for, should they actually do? Because God forbid they have an, a reaction, reaction to something. Mm-hmm. I'd say anywhere between five and seven days. Five and seven don't days. Don't do it the day before. Don't do it the day before. Don't, don't do that. Um, even with those things that I do when my people hit the red carpet, if I'm doing it 24 hours before, I just know how to adjust to what they need because I know they're going to put skin on. So I'm not going to go and go in with 12 micro needles and try to get into all of their scarring when I know they have to be on the red carpet or that they have a you know, photo shoot the next morning. I'm going to go in there, clean up the skin, refresh it, go in with 36 needles, still get the serums in there to take care of it and make it plump and lush so that it's not compiling onto their skin. Yeah, that's such a huge thing. Let me list some of the, because you actually, you have your line, Mm -hmm. you have your spa, and then like this is what it says, services are available. Customized facials, microneedling medical extractions, Vacuum cupping treatments. I've never been cupped and I want to be cupped. I want to do cupping so bad. LED light therapy, dermaplaning, microdermabrasion, medical grade chemical peels, BB glow lip tint, brow lamination and tinting, advanced skin therapy education training. Yeah. What is, first of all, LED light therapy, is that like, okay, so you know now now they're like, oh, you can do all this stuff at home. Is that like those masks that have the lights on them? And what is the difference between you doing it and somebody buying something like that? The difference of me doing it is I have a machine that has higher powered bulbs 
So my efficacy rate is going to be higher than the one that you would use at home. Got it. Mm-hmm. What is the BB lip tint thing? BB Lip and BB Glow is by Brun Beauty. And so they have like semi-permanent vegan tints that you can put onto the lips. So let's say I'm going on vacation and I don't want to wear lipstick. I want to go more natural. I have actual, like it looks like little bottles of foundation. And then I microneedle that into the skin and it keeps it hydrated. It keeps it nice and plump. And then the same thing with the lips, I can customize it to more of a neutral color. Um, And then I can also apply darker into my contour. So it looks like I'm wearing makeup, but I'm not. And it's still helping my skin, moisturizing it. It's full of hyaluronic acid and still giving me a treatment while giving me a glow. And is that considered a medical treatment? Nope. It's a non-invasive procedure. Got it. And there is something else that I wanted to share with people because I thought this was really cool because I was looking at your mission and everything. Mm -hmm. And in here, you're talking about You've completed an externship program under Landon McCarroll, studying melanin skin conditions and pigmentation disorders. And you're currently completing your courses to become a medical assistant in early 2023. This will make you a triple state licensed professional in the beauty industry. Mm -hmm. What will that actually do now that once you complete that and once you get that license, once you become like a medical assistant, How does that change what you're currently doing? It gives me access to a lot more higher powered machines. And I can do things like microneedling with radio frequency, which helps to retighten, rebond, and reform collagen fibers in the skin. So you can get a facelift literally without having to go through anything surgical. Um, You can remove scars. You can tighten loose skin. I can go deeper into the dermis, which is the layers of the skin for more invasive treatments. Um, I can do things like the hydrofacial med, which has more suction power, different additives. I have access to different types of chemicals and it just opens my scope of practice very wide. I can do Botox, I can do Juvederm, I can do phlebotomy, I can do PRP facials. What are PRP facials? When they put the blood on your face. I was about to say that like the vampire facial. It is like the vampire facial, but it's actually not your blood. So they draw your blood to draw out the, the plasma from your blood. And that's what they, the regenerative plasma from your blood. And that's what they put on your face and then microneedle that into your face. Got it. Yeah, Yeah. So then that's why your skin is bleeding because they're putting needles in your face. Yeah. Yeah. That and they're putting your blood on your face. That to me is a little You know, but there's some people that really benefit from it, like people who have crazy just cases of acne and scarring, and it's good for for them. I think with what I found with Brun Beauty is that the acne treatments, the hyaluronic acid, the anti-aging stem cells, the salmon DNA gold with epidural growth factor, like those are the different serums that I'm using opposed to having to draw somebody's blood out, spin it around, and then slap it all over their face. <laughs> a little much so, for me, but... <laughs> have, you, have you had somebody ask you to do something and you didn't think it was right for their skin and had to tell them no? Yep, all the time. And what is the thing that have people wanted most that you're like, yeah, that doesn't work for your skin? I don't really get thought on it when people come to me I like if I tell them to stop doing something, they typically do it. You know, like my client just came in here and she had used NYX concealer all over her face and her skin was broken. I was like, what are you doing to my skin? 
<laughs> I was like, you need to stop <laughs> whatever it is that you're doing. Um, I saw it a lot when I was in the medical industry, when I was working for Landon. And this is why I loved working with him because in this city, in this state that the world is in now, the fillers and the Botox and the, it's getting out of control. Girl. It's out of control. And it's People. sad that, look, I'm not going to lie. I'm not a big fan of the Kardashians. No, they ruined the beauty industry. They and, ruined it. I'll shout it from the mountaintop. Okay, please expand it. on that. They ruined it. I can't tell you how much they could have used their diversity as a strength. And they didn't. They made it a weakness. And they modernized it. And they Europeanized it. And they sold it. So it's just like for everybody... And being a makeup artist, when they first started coming out with all their stuff, it was just, it was the same face over and over and over and over and over. And the fillers and the Botox and the uh, glamorizing of plastic surgery. But they say they don't have, and that's the worst part of it. Like it's the glamorizing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The youngest one, Kylie. Yeah, I remember that. She has had so much work done. She looks like she is pushing 40 years old. It's insane. And the fact that, so, and I think for me, the problem is that so many people emulate them. You're emulating something that they couldn't even achieve on their own themselves, Mm -hmm. that they had to get fillers and plastic surgery and all this. Have you seen that meme that's gone Uh, around? Which one? It's it's all of them like before when they were younger and then them after they've gotten all their work. And it's like, this is just a reminder that you're not ugly. You're just broke. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. That's it. (laughs) That's That's it. it. That's it. That's people with money can do that. And I think that the glamorizing of all of that, you know, I learned that from Boundary with Landon because this isn't my top lip. These aren't my lips. And he will not do anything that... He's like, no, absolutely not. That does not go with the symmetry of your face. And I'm not putting my name on that. So he does things with integrity. So when people are just like, oh, I'm thinking about getting filler. I'm very candid. I get Botox. Mm-hmm. I get filler. I've had fillers in my cheeks. And then um, I've had PDO threads. I've tried different things. I've had secret RF. I've, I've done things to to my skin and land in, you know, I, I call myself as walking billboard. Because they're like, oh my God, that's not your top lip. I'm like, no, I had a little like cheeky thumb, like <laughs> little teeny tiny lip. <laughs> and I think and, if you, if it makes you feel good, like honestly, mm-hmm. I've had facials done before, but I've not ever had Botox. I've not ever had anything. And so, okay. So for somebody like me, mm-hmm. cause I know that there's other people like me, they get confused, right? I feel like I've always try to take care of my skin. And I know as I've aged, I've, you also have to change the products that you use because what I'm using at 16 or 18 or 21 at 45 is going to be very different. But also like I've heard people say, well, you should get Botox now before you get the lines before. Yeah. So what's the truth when it comes to skincare like that, when you're like, is it just good enough to and I know for some people it is right like that yeah, whatever it, people feel comfortable moderation. with it's all about moderation look do what makes you feel beautiful but if you come to me I'm going to tell you to do it in moderation and that's just my view you want somebody else to you know co-sign what you're saying then go find somebody else and just not the person for you but 
it's all about how you do it in moderation. So for me, crow's feet runs hereditary in my family. I still, they started showing up when I was 24. And so I told Landon that I didn't like that because I saw how deep inset they were in my family. And so, you know, it's all about the units that you get. If you have maximum movement, you can see I can move my eyebrows, but I don't have wrinkles. But if I go like this, I usually get some right here. And then if I go wait, like this, wait, go right, wait, here, right in like here. that? Yeah. See? But if you get Botox, you wouldn't be able to do that. I'd be able to move them like this, but it wouldn't be as deep. I'm like trying to move my, I, I, I'm yeah. moving my eyebrows going. So what if you is look all the way up, I'll look, uh, look, uh, raise your eyebrows all the way up. You see those lines? Uh-huh. Those can be deep, deep inset later on in life. So, and if your smile really big for me, you see right here where your lines form, mm -hmm. you could get little, uh, like maybe five units in each side and they wouldn't fold as much. And then it just slowly starts to wear, it's a neuromodulator. So what it's going to do is the neuroactivity, it's going to stop the neuroactivity in that muscle. Is it true that the more you do it, like the more you really can't stop? Like once you start, you really can't stop. You can stop. I think that's all about the person. Like I haven't gotten it for months. The thing is, is that the more you get it, the less you have to get it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like for the first like year or two, it all depends on how your body processes it. So your body's going to naturally get rid of the neurotoxin naturally. And um, oh, I lost my train of thought. It's going to get uh, rid of it naturally. And that's when you have to go re-up. Before I have, would have to get it every three months. Now I get it once a year and I don't, okay. I don't have as much, you know, and I've been doing it since I was 25. Okay. Now I'm 36. Got it. No, I mean, yeah, I've recently just started like a little bit, but um, you know, I'm like, I don't also, think I'm like, you need it. I'm, I'm also like, it. I'm 45. <laughs> if you wanted it to be preventative, so you don't get the lines later, but also I can't really see like you, your skin looks great, but I have to see it really up close to be like this line is forming right here. Yes. Well, you know, in March, well, I'm, I've been going up to LA more often anyways, but as you know, in March, I'm going to be in LA for, because we're taking the podcast on tour. Mm -hmm. So I might, I might have to be like, girl, I need to come see you before. Come, come before come podcast here too. <laughs> I'm looking for a space. <laughs> hey, I got one. <laughs> what is next for you? Like you feel, it feels like you've just like, you're like, this is what I want to do. And you just kind of go for it. What is next? I am currently working with Lena Waits production company, um, her CEO and her CFO, they are um, buying equity in my company to help me get my business to the next level to help rebrand re the skincare line to also have some residencies in other cities like New York, uh, Washington, D.C., Atlanta, Houston, uh, Texas, places where people of color, you know, Miami that need, you know, these types of skin treatments expanding and going there also what else are we doing oh my goodness um i'm relaunching the skincare brand um same formula just different packaging putting it into press and pr kits i'm doing my grand opening um and then we're going to start things like a spa content day where i'm going to have acupuncturists and and these are all women and people of color uh acupuncturists what else are we doing? Acupuncturists, Botox, massage, nails, facials, you know, kind of like a, 
a retreat type of situation because what my spa is attached to a luxury apartment complex. So I have access to the gym, to the pool, to the jacuzzi, to the rooftop decks, to the members only lounge, which is connected to a giant, huge, beautiful patio. They have open spaces on the other side. I think they have two rooftop decks and just throwing events here for the community based around self-care. And using that as also a co-working space for people who go on tour like yourself who need a space and need to film for a couple of hours or make content or want to collaborate or just need to get away. Yeah. And like, hey, can I come chill at your spa and on the rooftop for a couple of hours? Yeah, of course you can. That is awesome. We were definitely talk, but I always give people an opportunity there's something I didn't ask you because I know we just kind of went all the places, but that's, you know, <laughs> but that's how pe- we talk, right? That mm-hmm. you just kind of, we're like pinballs. Ding, 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 ding. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else that you want to add that maybe I haven't asked you or maybe we haven't addressed that you just want to make sure people are aware of? I think we covered it, literally everything. We covered on colorism. We covered on sexuality. We covered on trauma in the beauty industry. We covered on self-care. <laughs> like, I think we hit every possible thing. <laughs> so if people want to follow you, how can they follow you? Website, I know I said it, but I'm going to say it again. Uh, lunavibe.co. And then what is your social media? My social media is Brandy J. Andrews and at lunavibeco. You can find me on either one of those. I also have brandyjandrews.com, which is just my website about me, what I've done, what I'm doing. I'll also... I'm sorry, I forgot about this. I'm doing a um, self-care beauty farmer's market. So I'm in order to qualify to be a vendor, you have to be from an underrepresented community. We're throwing our first one December 10th. Is it 10th? Yeah, December 10th. Um, just to help people make extra money during the holidays. So whatever, That's awesome. Yeah, whatever surrounded around wellness, you know, skincare, candles, like jewelry, little necklaces, like, all these entrepreneurs that really need help. I mean, if I would tell people shop small. Absolutely. This holiday season, shop small, support small businesses, support entrepreneurs because we're, we need it. <laughs> I'm, I'm starting my crowdfunding um, because I need to be able to sustain my life, but I need help buying supplies and, you know, a pack of dermal planing blades is going up to 20 something dollars and it's, 10 of them. And, you know, if I have 10 clients, it's gone. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Well, make sure you got me and make sure to check out Brandy social, check out her website. Uh, if you're in the greater LA area, or even in set, look, if you find a good place, I go up to orange County to get my hair done. <laughs> you know, I drive a couple hours. I've got, I used to be in LA. Thank goodness. She moved down to Orange County, because I used to drive like over two hours just to get my hair done um, because people don't know how to cut curly hair. Yeah. And you find somebody you like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With, when it comes to your hair, when it comes to your skin, you find somebody you like, you find products that work, you know, you in, do I'm what you can to get it. Yeah. I'm in Glendale. So I'm centrally located between a lot of Los Angeles. Yes. So make sure to check her out and make sure to make an appointment. Support our gente. Uh, Brandy, thank you so much. I'm so glad we fought. Like, I know we were talking about this forever, so I'm so happy we finally got to do yes. this. And then until next time, mi gente. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wine and Chisme podcast. 
for more information on today's guest, please see the show notes for links to websites and social media channels. You can check out all things Wine and Chisme on our website, thewineandchismepodcast.com. There, you will find the names of wines I drink each episode, as well as additional information on me, the podcast, and you can even apply to be a guest straight from there. You can also find us on social media at The Wine and Chisme on Instagram and at The Wine and Chisme Podcast on Facebook. Remember, if you want to hear more Wine and Chisme, please subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star ratings are appreciated and those positive reviews are appreciated even more. Until next time, saludos.